Friday, October 6th, and it is so good to have you back. Thank you for joining us here on Damon Bruce Plus. Oh my goodness, so many happy people already chatting with each other, getting along with each other, saying good morning to each other. Love it. Absolutely love it. Got a little throat thingy going on. I think the kids brought home something a little, little spilkesy. It's the wrong time. Wrong time for me to be getting the spilkes. We got Fleet Week. We've already achieved some maximum football. I mean, even more is going to be coming our way with a really interesting weekend of college ball, a really interesting weekend in the NFL, of course, punctuated by our chief interest, that is 49ers and Cowboys on Sunday night. But man, we got some interesting stuff coming up here. And I want to get into, you know, just the mechanics of how you go about beating the Dallas Cowboys today. By the way, Larry Kruger and I are going to be uh, saying hello to Brad Sham, who is the longtime voice of the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to be doing a little joint interview around 1245, uh, a little bit later on today. So be on the lookout for that. And then, of course, I want to invite you to join me to... uh, to enjoy me or join me, whichever you want to do. Um, Two-minute warning. Two-minute warning, Sunday Night Football. Join me on YouTube as we dive into the most aggressive, because it starts in the game, uh, post-game show. You're going to find anywhere on Planet Football, and I'm looking forward to that, and hopefully you are too. And then Monday, Larry and I will be wrapping around with a little 49ers wake-up for you. So here we go. Here we go. You know, head coaches really come in two different flavors. There's the stubborn in my ways, want to do it my way. I've got my system style of head coach. And then there's the more, all right, let me look around the locker room, see what I got in terms of what I got to work with. And then we'll tailor a system around that. Now, obviously, Great coaches can pull a little from column A and a little from column B, right? But Kyle is definitely the former and not the latter. Kyle has a system. Kyle Shanahan knows what he wants to do. It's the way his dad taught him to go about winning football games. He's had enough evidence returned to him that this way of going about winning football games wins an awful lot of football games. So that's what I'm going to do. That's who I am. That's what I want to be. And Kyle is that guy. He's got a style. He seeks players to fit his style or his system. And he's not the kind of guy who, you know, really wants to know what all players can do well. And then I'm going to tailor what we do around your strengths and weaknesses. No, he wants guys who do what he deems needs done. He wants players who fit his idea, players who fit his system. Now, that would never preclude Kyle from adding like an all-world talent because all-world, you would think, would be the kind of talent that would fit this system. But here we are once again in a debate about Brock Purdy. You know, I see my pal Nick Wright talking about this. Uh, There's a lot being bandied about in some ringer interview where someone said he's what? He's the 25th best quarterback in the league. Like, whatever. All I can tell you is that these people who are talking about these things don't matter nearly as much as the data points of this guy can play that, you know, NFL football games are returning to us. Like, your opinion no longer matters once that final score is up on that scoreboard, right? Like what you thought of Brock Purdy, what you think of where he was drafted, what you think a prototype franchise quarterback might be 
it really doesn't matter what you think when you're having a level of success that is undeniable. And Brock Purdy's level of success is uh, apparently the only thing that is undeniable about him because everyone wants to debate everything else. You know, Brock is a system quarterback. Okay? Well, technically all quarterbacks are in a system, so you could make that lazy argument for everyone. But the whole point isn't that Brock is a system quarterback. The point is that Brock is in a system that allows him to leash an ungodly amount of holy hell on the NFL. Like, that's what's important. The whole concept of a guy fitting a system being used as a demerit against the guy's talent, like, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. I guess these are the talking points that come about when you need to fill 24 hours a day of content. Like, I can't, I can't understand it. You know, what if I told you that uh, running backs always look good in Kyle's system? Well, how is that a demerit for what Christian McCaffrey is doing? And I've seen that used, trying to explain why, you know, like if we're really having a serious MVP debate, Christian McCaffrey can't be in it because he just is the best running back to ever fit into Kyle's system. So you want to hold the guy's offense that he's perfectly born to play in against him as you're evaluating some postseason award that, again, the fact that you're trying to evaluate who's the clubhouse leader for a postseason award four weeks into the year means you are lazy. As a journalist, like there are actual things to talk about so early on here in this NFL season that if you got to invent the shit to talk about, man, you must not have an awful lot of knowledge of what you're looking at. And I just see that over and over and over again. How is a system that works bad for a player who fits the system better than the other players who were brought in to fit the system but didn't work nearly as well as this. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And, and I don't think anyone can really explain it to me. This guy has a formula. The formula works. The formula wins. So now you want to go away from that formula in the name of, well, let's get more athletes in here. What? What? I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Anyways, I see an awful lot of friendly, happy people and happy chatters already chatting with each other. Uh, by the way, let me just tell you two here. Um, we're done with AMP. I'm not doing it today. I'm not doing I'm not I'm not going to continue to invite people to go to another place if that place is getting shut down. So I'm sorry that Funk Week got cut short, but we're we're done. I'm you know, if they, if they're dropping the system, I'm I'm not going to keep on going over there. So that sucks, but it's the reality that we're kind of sitting in. I don't like it, but that's that's the way I got to go about. It. I got to quit amp cold turkey apparently. So we're not going to have a last month. I'm not going to continue to bait people to download something that's going to go away. So sorry, everyone. The other request that I do have is that if you are feeling in that generous super chatting mood, well, first of all, thank you so much. There's never a wrong time to give a super chat. Uh, but 
I will say there, there is a better time to do it, and that's when we slip into Club Plus. Now, Club Plus might not have its VIP room anymore, but we're still going to have a Club Plus, and that's the best time to do it because that way I won't miss it. It won't go by me while I'm not looking at the chat because I'm trying to host the show and trying to read what you're writing on the chat would distract me. You're also funny and clever and interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm like uh, the dog in Up. Squirrel! I, I gotta I, I gotta keep my eyes off the chat so I don't even have it up during like this portion of the show for the most part. So if you're looking to gift your friendly host with some support and support this channel with a super chat, wait until Club Plus to do it because that way I won't miss it. Stacy, we saw you yesterday. Thank you very much. It's got to wait. That needs a little bit more time. Just a little bit more time before that's ready. Let that cool down just a little bit more. Um, How do you go about beating the Dallas Cowboys? All right, let's hop right into it. Uh, Run the system. How about that? You know, I mean, this is, you know, everyone wants to tell you that the system, I don't know about this. Well, run the system because the system works and the system usually takes care of the afternoon. And these are not foreign concepts. These are pretty old school football concepts. And it's amazing how Kyle's system is built around the shit that has been winning football games since the sport dawned. Run the ball. Don't turn it over. Make the right choices. Avoid negative plays while playing in front of a stout defense. Like, that's pretty rudimentary stuff, but it works. You know, the simple stuff works. And as sophisticated as Kyle's patterns and route choices are, um, it's all pretty simple when you look at it. When the Niners are at their best, they're playing a simple style of football. Get a lead, grow a lead, sit on lead, win game. That's what Kyle wants to do. How does he go about doing that against the Dallas Cowboys? Well, number one, the two biggest offensive concerns, not the quarterback, obviously. The two biggest offensive concerns are clearly Tony Pollard and C.D. Lamb. So keeping an eye on Tony Pollard and C.D. Lamb at all times is job one all afternoon, or I should say evening since it's Sunday night football, for the 49ers defense. Where are those two guys? How's Dak getting the ball to them? Getting a feel for Dak in this game early on is also, I think, important. Is he just that straight-up three-step drop and it's out guy, which is the new religion every offense has found to slow down sack machine defensive lines? So is that the way that they're playing? And if they are, don't get caught kind of watching the paint dry on that like they did in the LA Rams game where they basically let the Rams do what they want to do for an entire half before they went ahead and started doing something a little differently in the third quarter, which changed that game dramatically. Again, these are not unique or original concepts. Process the game as it's happening in front of you. Adjust to the game that's in front of you. So watching what Dak is doing early on is where Steve Wilkes' eyes have to be, and his eyes need to be all over C.D. Lamb. Now, C.D. Lamb, I saw this from Akash Anavaranthian, he lines up in the slot 68% of the time. So that means Isaiah Oliver, Diamador Lenore, this is on you guys. 
because I really do think that even though Fred Warner is so special, he can run stride for stride with some slot receivers. C.D. Lamb feels like the first official. That's a bad matchup for Fred Warner in a pattern that we're going to see. So Diamador Lenore and Isaiah Oliver, if they both play well against C.D. Lamb in the slot, it goes a long, long way to bring in the the, the 49ers to the finish line with a win. Defensively, Micah Parsons and C.D. Lamb. You know, got or excuse me, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. Already talked about C.D. But Demarcus is a beast on that line. Uh, the Cowboys are incredibly physical, and we're looking at Micah Parsons, who could be coming from anywhere identifying where he is before every snap is job one for Brock Purdy because that guy, again, lines up everywhere, everywhere. So you got to know where he is at all times and be careful with the ball and don't let him have game-changing play after game-changing play. He really is that talented of a player. So you keep Lawrence and Parsons to normal defensive afternoons. Don't let the extraordinary happen for the Cowboys defensively. You slow down uh, Pollard. You keep an eye on C.D. Lamb. And this should be a 49ers win. This should be a 49ers win. I like them. I think I like them to cover the, what, the three and a half? Is that it, too? I like the 49ers in this game. I think you do, too. I think you're a 49er fan. That's why you're here. And that's, uh, I think you're feeling pretty good about it. But there are reasons, not just hunches, to feel good about it. When Kyle's got ownage over certain teams and certain coaches, that's a tough trend to break. So we will see. We will see if Mike McCarthy can have a great day against Kyle Shanahan. There have not been many of them. I want you to have a great lunch today. I do. Get yourself to Ike's, boys and girls. Ike's has delicious sandwiches. I mean, try a Damon Bruce. Get a Jamie Sirewich. Have an Adam Richmond. Get a menage a trois. Get a Matt Cain. There are so many great sandwiches at Ike's. If I had to select my favorite, I couldn't. And one of them even has my name on it. So that's how good it is. You probably already know this for yourself because you are from the Bay. You're around California. And Ike's has got 100 of these stores open now on the West Coast, nearly 100. Get yourself to Ike's. Have one delivered to you. Sign up for his app. Start earning Ike's rewards and eat your way to free sandwiches. Does that sound good? The only thing better than free sandwiches would be the concept of free money. And that's what is waiting for you if you are subscribing to BottomLineBets.com. My man, Stefan, he just, he, he won last night. He had his placement on the uh, Bears team total. That bad boy was basically done by the end of the first half. So Stefan is getting just ridiculous hunches, data, Winning, gut feel, I don't know what it is, but my man is, it's ridiculous. Stop taking my word for it. 
You can get a free day of handicapping. A free day of handicapping at Bottom Line Bets by using promo code DAMON. You have a few more days to use this. You have through the NFL weekend to use this. You want to save it for a big Saturday slate that has college and playoff baseball going on. You want to reserve it for Sunday. That's fine. But use it this weekend. Promo code DAMON. BottomLineBets.com. It's time for you to start winning. There is money just sitting there. And you can pick it up with my man Stefan's advice at BottomLineBets.com. And speaking of you can pick it up, you can pick up some of the coolest vintage Bay Area and sports t-shirts you're ever going to find at Jack's in San Francisco. Jack's is on Chestnut Street. That's where I picked up this. I love, love the Sutro Tower t-shirt. Come on, you know me. It's part of the show's logo, for goodness sakes. Uh, There it is. Oh, no, wait. There it is right there. See a little Sutro Tower get knocked over by Godzilla? Where I gonna learn how to? I I would be a terrible weatherman. I'm bad on the green screen. There you go. This right here. This there we go. Now I'm officially doing. Oh, you got to mirror everything. This. This. Go to jacksanfrancisco.com, or excuse me, that's jacksf.com. Two S's. J A C K S sf.com and once you find the 15 t-shirts that you're going to want to buy put them all in your cart and use promo code damon bruce 10 for 10 percent off your jacks purchase so there you go a free weekend of handicapping using promo code damon at bottom line bets 10 percent off your vintage cool bay area sports t-shirts and other things special unique to jacks designs um Damon Bruce 10 for 10% off over there. And don't tell anyone we never did nothing for you. By the way, it is a Friday, and which means uh, we'll have a good for ball, bad for ball brought to you by our friends and Uncle Boys coming up. But that is at the end of the show. So we will get back there in just a minute. Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk is the only man in that 49ers locker room who can honestly claim, you know, I might be as dangerous as Christian McCaffrey for other teams. I saw this. Brandon Ayuk has 17 catches so far this season. That's 17 catches over three games. Remember, he missed one game already this year. So 17 catches, and each of them has resulted in either a first down or a touchdown. That's remarkable. That's unbelievable. Brandon Ayuk is a first down or a touchdown every single time he has caught the ball so far this year. No wonder why Brock Purdy, that system quarterback, continues to look for a wide receiver who, you know, fits this system perfectly. I can't wait till we accuse uh, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk of being system wide receivers. And George Kittle is a system tight end. You know, I mean, it's it's just, we throw that word system in in front of things that we said might not work, and now they are, so I need to excuse why I was wrong about it. Well, system guy, kind of crazy. Mm. There we go. There we go. That's a sip of the day right there. Oh, almost 20 minutes in. Maybe the overhit today. I don't know. Hey, the Chicago Bears won a football game last night. Do you see that? Maximum. Oh, my God. All I can tell you is that actually will help Dick Butkus rest in peace and rest in peace to Dick Butkus, one of the great football players of all time, 
one of the three greatest Chicago Bears of all time, and a guy who has so many good like Miller Lite commercials that when Dick Butkus passed away, my timeline started having all these old Dick Butkus commercials get splattered all over it. And that was a nice walk down memory lane. Dick Butkus going from first like bad boy NFL guy to beloved Hollywood. uh, Not a character actor. He basically played Dick Butkus, but he was, he was very personable. Dick Butkus had a great personality. So rest in peace, and I'm glad that the Bears decided to win their first game of the year on the day that he died. Way to honor the man's memory. And look, Justin Fields has played well the last two weeks. Notice that these are the two weeks that Clay, uh, Chase Claypool's been banned from this facility? It's a little weird, right? The Bears flipped a second rounder to Pittsburgh. Uh, for the wide receiver who turned out to be a massive bust for them, and they just flipped him to the Miami Dolphins for a sixth-round pick swap. Hey, whenever you can turn a second-round pick into a sixth-round pick swap, you do it. God. Again, congratulations to Justin Fields having a couple of good games in a row. Congratulations to the Bears on winning their first game. Everyone should be fired. Maybe not Fields, but everybody else. Ryan Poles, who did this Chase Claypool deal. Come on, man. Come on. By the way, DJ Moore last night. If you started DJ Moore in your fantasy league, chances are you're going to win your fantasy league this week. DJ Moore had the greatest game any Bears wide receiver has had in my lifetime. He's the first Bears player with 200 yards and three touchdowns from scrimmage in a game since Walter Payton in 1979. First player, 200 yards, three touchdowns since 1979. That is how inept the Chicago Bears have been offensively for my lifetime. So congratulations to DJ Moore. He really was great last night. And that game was more entertaining than anyone thought it would be. I guess the other story in uh, the Bay Area yesterday was the story that the WNBA is coming to San Francisco. Now, if you ever told me that we'd be having a WNBA story snuck into a Friday show during Cowboys week, I was probably not, but this is kind of interesting because anyone else doing this, I would be skeptical about it. But Joe Lacob is a force to be reckoned with as an owner, full stop. So maybe this works. Maybe this indeed will work. Obviously, the WNBA is catching on in ways that have a lot of positive, you know, audience returns, um, ratings attached to it for the first time in its existence. Uh, It's a growing sport. There is no doubt. I will also let you know that as someone who spent 20 years taking phone calls from sports fans, not a single sports fan I've ever met has bought a ticket to a WNBA game or admits to watching or being a fan of any WNBA team. You know, I, I, I'm, and I'm not trying to diminish the WNBA. I'm just saying I have never actually met anyone who is very excited about it, buys tickets, consumes the product. But it's happening. You can't deny the fact that it's happening. So the main question is, what will the WNBA team in the Bay Area do from a business or interest standpoint 
right after all of that initial excitement is gone. And that's where a WA team at Chase Center, WNBA team at Chase Center could be in a little bit of trouble. Um, it, it, it's got to be a much less expensive entry point into Chase Center. So it's going to be a less expensive ticket, you would assume. Um, and, and maybe it's going to get more people in there. It's certainly going to give Chase Center more nights a year to put a crowd in there. And the Warriors, you know, they're printing their own money since they own Chase Center. How is this city going to embrace it? How will this city honestly embrace the WNBA when it goes from being an easy-to-root-for concept that you would support to now I'm actually asking you to spend your money and give up your free time on a Wednesday night after you've been working to see the, the, the Bay Area, whatever they're going to be named, San Francisco, whoever's, Golden State, whoever's, if they're going to use that moniker, um, whatever the, the mascot is going to be, like, w- w- did you just talk about how you support the NBA or are you actually going to put your money down and your time aside to go do it on a Wednesday night when the ladies of the Bay are taking on the Las Vegas Aces? I think that's a WNBA team, right? Doesn't Mark Davis own them? So um, the entire time I have been here, but for, you know, a moment of two of and the Sharks resonating in the Bay Area. Um, This city is 49ers, Giants, Warriors, nothing else. Not even Cal, not even Stanford, not even like, oh, there's a team from up in Marin who's going to the Little League World Series. Do you want to hop on that bandwagon? No, rather talk about the Giants and Niners or Warriors. Like there's, you know, you can roll a golf major through San Francisco. You can put a major at the Olympic Club. That doesn't even really crack the conversation. It's 49ers, Giants, and Warriors, nothing else. So how would a WNBA team really penetrate the interest? I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that there are way too many powerful hands and there are big dollars attached to this. And look, owning teams is a really good investment if you can afford to do so. It's just real simple. Owning teams is a good investment if you can afford to do so, unless it's like an XFL or USFL team that was built to fail on a, you know, but like I thought that the the MLS, Major League Soccer, was going to be built to fail. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're asking for a lot of money for those franchises now. WNBA franchises are worth something. So they're worth something to the rich people who are investing in it and have the means to keep this money train going, keep this investment going. So butts in seats translating to a team success probably means less now than ever before. But Joe Lacob continues to uh, grow the empire. And it's been a pretty successful empire since he's laid his hands on it. I'm not going to go betting against Joe Lacob, and you probably shouldn't either. It will be interesting to see what they're going to name that team, right? That's fun. Come up with a WNBA team that is perfect for the Bay Area. Are they going to go with San Francisco? Are they going to go with the Bay Area? Are they going to try to Golden State the, the situation? Like the Warriors, how are they going to try to make it an all-encompassing, we're all for you, San Jose, Oakland, everyone? 
it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. It's a lot of work to be done. What they are going to expand in 2025, there'll be a WNBA team at Chase Center. Good luck. I can't imagine myself going. I can't. I'm just, I'm sorry. Look, I'm, I'm not interested in women's basketball. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not. I shouldn't have to apologize for that. I've never watched the sport. I don't have a daughter. I don't have a friend's daughter who watches it. I, I don't. I'm just not into girls' basketball, women's basketball, ladies' basketball. I pay attention to way too many other sports to have another project that I also kind of pay a little attention to. I got to say, you know, I'm into this. I'm not into that. I'm not into that. Sorry. I'm in. I'm into. I'm into men's basketball. Does that make you a bad person, Damon? I don't even fucking care anymore. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I saw that Michael Lewis, who is the author of Moneyball, Michael Lewis uh, wrote the the big what the big short, I believe, as well. Uh, Michael Lewis is a very good author. The Blind Side. Um, he is uh, coming up with a book about Sam Bankman Freed and FTX, and he had just happened to be researching this guy as his next book project before that guy became a global headline with the fraud that he was committing. Uh, in a conversation about Sam Bankman Freed, Michael Lewis on 60 Minutes admitted that he knows Steph Curry was paid $35 million for 60 hours of work to shoot a couple commercials for FTX. $35 million for 60 hours of work. What's the rate on that? That ain't bad. He paid Tom Brady $55 million for 20 hours of work three years ago. He paid Curry $35 million for the same thing for three years. Now, the Warriors star is among the celebrities named in a class action lawsuit filed against FTX and its endorsers. And unlike other of the spokespeople, Curry hasn't like scrubbed the commercials he's done from his social media. They're still on there. And you know why? Is because he's not embarrassed by them. Here's the deal when it comes to endorsing products. Pay me money, I'll endorse your product. That's the deal. If you think every single time that the person who's endorsing a product either understands it or uses it or is heavily involved in its success or failure, you're, you're out of your mind. They're just doing a commercial. And for $35 million, I'm going to tell you right now, you could probably find me doing uh, a commercial uh, endorsing, but slapping children around. Like, I mean, what are you kidding me? For $35 million, I'll tell you that anything's good. Like this blue cup is the single greatest blue cup that has ever been invented. It is the pioneer of all blue cup going forward. It is a callback to great blue cup technology that you used to know about. This, this folks, is a blue cup that I'm going to tell you will change your life. See, I wasn't paid anything for that, and I just endorsed this blue cup. You give me $35 million, I will blow this blue cup right here on the air. You don't want that. But Steph Curry, this whole, like, I'm going to sue the athlete in the commercial, like, I don't understand that. That's like saying you, 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 you bought a pair of sneakers 
They're uncomfortable. You got a blister, and now you want to sue Michael Jordan? Like, I, I, how, how's that? How's that possible? I don't understand it. And he's he's not just endorsing; he is the brand. Anyway, thought that that was amazing, though. Regardless of what you think about the story, thirty-five million for sixty hours of work. We should all be so lucky. What a charmed life Steph Curry leads. Um. Before we slip into Club Plus today, just a couple more things here. Awful Announcing asked a very interesting question, wrote a really good, interesting article about how come no baseball on any of the debate shows that dominate morning and afternoon television on ESPN and FX1, FS1. Um, on Tuesday, Awful Announcing pointed out that from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern, ESPN had not one discussion about the start of the baseball playoffs minus a few ad reads. No debate, no discussion, no guess, no prediction, no matchup analysis, no talk about a starting pitcher, a manager, nothing. Nothing. Despite having exclusive rights to the wildcard series, baseball couldn't break the NFL and the NBA content blockade, writes Awful Announcing. It's amazing. There is no sport that is still financially as solvent, but has been reduced in the conversation that sports fans have as much as Major League Baseball. I'm telling you, one of the reasons why KNBR is in a lot of trouble as a station is because they still bill themselves as the Giants station. Now, they're also the flagship of the 49ers, but they'll call themselves the Giants station. And the Giants and KNBR have a long marriage. They've exchanged an awful lot of money. There's a big business arrangement there. But, you know, would you like people listening to your radio station again? Then sell the Niners because that's what people are buying. That's what people are buying. Again, I was in the meeting in 95-7, the game where we basically said, all right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk just basically 49ers. And while they're over there doing another no one's listening to it segment with Susan Slesser about the Giants bullpen, they're going to come over here. They're going to hear us talking about the 49ers uh, and and they're going to stick with us. And that's how we beat KNBR all the time. You know, and and look, I love baseball. And that wasn't a shot at Susan Slesser, who's great at it. But people are not tuned in to baseball and the machinations of a roster or a season like they used to be. And let me tell you, as someone who is now creating content, I cannot help but notice I do a video about the 49ers. I do a video about football. There's a chance that that video is going to take off. There's only one video that I've done about the Giants that has ever taken off, and that was the famous 29-minute Larry Kruger all-time rant that he went on uh, just about Giants' frustrations. So people always love, you know, that. People will respond to, let me tell you why everyone should be fired. But if Larry and I did 29 minutes on just talking baseball, that thing wouldn't have gotten nearly the views that it did. I see my views not happen for baseball topics on my own channel. And I do. I still love baseball. And I can talk baseball. I'm not like Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless or Mike Greenberg or Pat McAfee. Not one of those guys knows a single thing about baseball. That's why they don't incorporate it into their shows. 
You know, but why are these networks that pay hundreds of millions of dollars, asks Awful Announcing, why do these networks that are in bed with the sports leagues that they refuse to talk about, refuse to talk about them when they're in bed with them as business partners? It is weird. But the answer is Awful Announcing says it's very simple. Follow the rating. Follow the rating. You know, when it went from diaries, like, what do you, what did you listen to today? Well, from noon to one o'clock, I listened to KGO and then I turned over to KNBR because I like Ralph Barbieri. And then at night I listened to, uh, whatever that K fog and people were just writing down the names of shows and channels that they liked as they never really filled out that ratings book in real time, but just would sit down at the end of the month to sort of jot around it, send it in and get paid for being a part of the rating service. Now they got these things called personal people meters. It's a digital fingerprint that literally tracks what radio signal is in your ear. When you tuned it on, when you tuned it off. And uh, Matt Nahagian, the program director at 95.7 The Game, understands PPM in a deep, deep way. And, you know, he would track what conversations, what interviews, what guests did well. And we would double down on those. And the guests that didn't do well, we would do less of. One of the guests that did, uh, again, I used to love having Susan Slesser on to talk baseball. This is when Susan was coming on to even talk A's baseball. I would still like talking to Susan because she's fantastic at what she does. It was an automatic tune out. Me and Ray having Susan Slesser on to talk A's baseball was an automatic tune out. We would watch our stations, you know, however many people meters were listening at the time, just go straight down. Just boom. Oh, you're talking, talking, uh, talking Warriors. Rating going up. Talking talking Niners, ratings going up. Talking A's baseball with Susan Slesser, boom. You could see it in real time. And even though these networks have big multi-million dollar agreements, they're in it for ratings in the middle of the day. And they must know that data shows viewers change the channel or just stop watching altogether the minute you start talking baseball or hockey or anything that basically isn't football or basketball. So that's the world we're living in. Like we even got the Mets have a general manager resigning in a little mystery and disgrace. Uh, Mets GM Billy Epler uh, resigned on Thursday. He's being investigated for his use of a phantom injured list where, you know, you, you ask a player, hey, let's put you on the injured list. Even though you're really not injured, you'll still accrue your major league service time and we won't have to lose you, but you're not playing great right now, so we want to sit you down for a little bit. It's not uncommon in baseball, but apparently... Somebody ratted him out. So, like, you have New York City, a GM being f resigning the same week that the manager, Buck Showalter, was fired. And that is no longer just a baseball conversation. That's, you know, hirings and firings and, and, and New York City. They don't even bother bringing that up on any of these debate shows. Because no one gives a fuck. 
No one outside of Mets fans. And there are more people watching this segment right here to listen to Stephen A. Smith talk about football, which is another sport he doesn't even know very well. But to hear Stephen A. Smith talk football, you'll get a million people watching or a few hundred thousand people watching. The minute he starts talking baseball, nobody's watching Stephen A. Smith do that. So there you go, boys and girls. We're about to hop into Club Plus. But first, as we will do every Friday, we won't be going into the VIP lounge anymore that was the AMP app because AMP is being taken away from us all. But we do have a tradition that we will keep going as long as we can. The Michael Urban, Big Herbs, Good for Ball, Bad for Ball Friday show closer as we give memory to Michael. Good for Ball. The Chicago Bears winning the day Dick Butkus died. That's good for ball. Even Packers fans are happy about that. So that's officially good for ball in the cosmos and the overall quan of the world. So that's good. That's good. And so are all the Dick Butkus commercials on my Twitter timeline. That's good. Bad for ball. And this is Michael would want, would, would, would want this. Bad for ball is the fact that baseball just has no more room left in our national sports conversation. It is absent. It is absent by design because if it's present, people aren't interested. And you can talk about how baseball is doing very well financially in so many different regards. If that continues to be a trend, I don't, I don't know how it goes on working forever. Again, interest matters. It has to. So there you go. There is your Friday before Cowboys get here. Damon Bruce show. Again, I'm going to be doing something with Larry at around 1245 in about an hour from now. So let's step into club plus. Remember I'm post Gaiman Damon at the two minute warning Sunday night. Join me here on YouTube. And then Larry and I at 8 AM the following Monday it is the Palmetto 49ers wake-up show with Damon Bruce and Larry Kruger. We'll be going over the 49ers game better than anyone. That's a digital revolution. That's taken over the marketplace. Thank you for being here, and please do remember, as you enjoy what I hope is a beautiful weekend, a little fleet week, some time with your family, some friends, some fun, some fellowship, have a good weekend. It's gorgeous out there here in the Bay Area, or wherever you are. Hopefully, it's gorgeous there, too, and we got sundress conditions for everybody. Sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone.